where I might have blind spots. But if we're just willing to start cutting everybody out, the minute we don't believe with them, the minute we don't agree the same thing, you're going to find your circle has grown grown smaller and smaller, and you're going to be unable to do what God has called you to do in this earth. So we need to get back to the basis of the Bible and say, what does the Bible teach on these things? And then accept that. The world is unfolding. The events are unfolding. Everything seems to be getting shaken around. And yet that is the time where we trust in the Word of God, which we find to be unshakable. In fact, it says of itself that even though heaven and earth shall pass away, the Word of God shall endure forever. Now, I know I've heard all of the arguments, and I've heard different people with different things, and they've made the comments, they say, well, you can't trust the Bible because the Bible was written by men. And who do you think wrote that? <laughs> you know, we'll believe a teacher from this world, but we don't want to believe the creator of that teacher. We'll believe a theory that's going around, but we don't want to believe the author of truth. And that's why we need to come back and say, okay, so what does the truth actually say? What does the Bible actually say about some of these things? And you know, you'll be surprised when you start studying how many things the Bible addresses that you never even knew it addressed. I know years ago when Pastor Jerry and myself were first looking at buying a house and we had two great opportunities coming along, one to buy a business and one to buy a house, so we didn't have money for either, so we didn't know which way to go first. So we started praying. I said, okay, God, what do we do here? And, and I came home from lunch one day, or for lunch, and she opens up her Bible and says, look what I found today. And the Bible said, build first your, home, or your business, build first your field, and then your home. So we said, well, that's pretty simple. So we went ahead and went with the business, and everything else fell, fell into place. Things that hadn't happened, that couldn't have happened, that wouldn't have happened, perhaps, ended up just all falling into place in the same house that we've been living in. We ended up buying just a couple of years later, but they turned around and gave us all our rent as our down payment. So it wasn't so bad. But see, when we start following God's word, we start finding out that these things happen and these things start coming into place. And all of a sudden, we're living in a realm beyond what we could ever have figured out on our own because God already knows the answers. So it just confirms to me that everything is being shaken and that we need to be finding something that cannot be shaken. Now, honestly, I believe there's an awful lot of people in this world that are looking for something that is stable. You know, they, they, maybe they've been abandoned as children. Maybe they've already been through a couple of marriages. Maybe they've lost a few businesses. Maybe whatever has gone on in their life, they're just looking for something that is going to be stable. Personally, I believe it's the Word of God that will keep you stable in spite of all of this. So my prayer is that as, that as Christians, we're going to draw to the place where we recognize that, that when everything else seems to be going one way, God's Word will determine what's truth and what's right. It's the only thing that I know of that can endure the pressure, all the pressure that we can put on it. Now, in our daily lives, we're used to taking people at their word. You know, if your boss tells you you're going to be getting a raise, you start planning on how you're going to spend that extra money. Rarely do you sit down and say, well, which extra payment are we going to make? (laughs) What are we going to get now that we couldn't get before? You start, you know, a friend tells you they can perform a certain task for you. They say, oh, yeah, you know, we're coming over on Saturday. We're going to help you get this done. And guess what? You expect them to show up. The designated time doesn't come, and you start going, what's wrong? Something must have happened. They're not here yet. We start taking people at their word, and it's good. We should. 
When someone we trust tells us something, we react with faith. And we start planning for whatever it is that has been said. We start reacting, believing it, and that is really what faith is all about. We are believing, and we start reacting to what we have heard. Well, if we can have that type of faith in an earthly friend, how much more should we be able to accept and act on what God tells us? See, we choose which voices we are going to accept. There's a lot of voices. A lot of them are very loud and clanging. But as we quiet our hearts, we will start knowing which voice we need to accept. And I have found that usually the louder the voice, the less profitable it is to follow it. Now, I believe it was uh, Kenneth Copeland that taught years ago that words are containers. Now, a container is control, con created to hold something or contain something, and the words that we speak are going to carry either life or death when we speak them out. Now, we may not like to look at it that way, but they'll either build people up or they're going to tear people down most times. We can encourage people. We can discourage the people just by speaking a couple of words. Our words can release either faith, joy, happiness, peace, or they can release despair, unbelief, anger, hatred, division, whichever words we release. I don't know how many fights I've had to referee. And they started off, you say, what went on here? Well, they said. It's the words. The words hurt. As children, we used to have that saying that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And yet the words often cause a lot more damage than those sticks and stones ever did. Broken bones heal eventually. Now, I have seen this principle at work in the lives of many people. Someone can be totally discouraged. They can feel beat up, beat down, let down. And yet it may take nothing more than coming up and saying, you got this. You're stronger than you know you are. You might say, well, you're smart, or I believe in you. I know you can do this. And you can start seeing a total change take place in them. Somebody's believing in them. You know, sports teams, why do they use their cheerleaders to try and build up the team? You can do this, rah, 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 dancing and cheering and carrying on because they want them to believe that the victory that they are declaring will be theirs and they can encourage them to go out there and fight for it. <clears throat> Bosses can encourage their workers with just a few words. You know, I appreciate what you're doing here. It's all it takes often. I see you. I appreciate what you're doing. Parents and children, little things that are put into their children, and often that doesn't come out till years later, and also the child says, well, I always thought I was. You fill in the blank. Well, why would you think that? Well, I was always told I was. And they've accepted it, and they've grown with it. The list goes on. But see, words that are filled with faith and confidence from a person who is seen as an authority or seen as being knowledgeable can energize someone by imparting confidence and releasing an, uh, an ability that we didn't even know we had. You know, when someone says, comes along and says, hey, Ada, boy, you got this. And all of a sudden, you feel this fresh sense of urgency, a fresh sense of adrenaline, if you would, flowing through you. You say, I could do this. This hasn't got me. And it's all done by words. So it makes me wonder 
If that might be why our enemy has spent so much time trying to convince Christians that the Bible is not the accurate Word of God. See, once we start questioning the Word of God, as I think, well, this isn't this, or that isn't this, or this couldn't be, and all of a sudden our faith starts faltering because we no longer know what we can believe or not. See, the Word of God is filled with faith and with possibilities like no other. When God says in Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope at an expected end, that doesn't mean, oh, well, you're going to wander around in life and you're going to this. It means there's a loving Creator that has set a plan for you, that has set a goal for you, and He's expecting that goal to come to pass. See, the Word of God says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Well, if I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, then the words I give up no longer apply to me. i got to push a bit harder, maybe. I may have to seek some more wisdom. I may have to get some counsel from somebody that's already been through this. But there is no such thing as giving up. What it means is, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. So I can just push on. I come to the next point. And we start looking at some of these scriptures, which we have, you know, we've read them so many times, and yet we take them for granted because we don't set our faith on them. Say, God, if I can do all things, then no matter what I face, I know that you're going to give me the wisdom. You're going to give me the understanding. You're going to give me the decisions that I have to make so that I can move forward into that place. The creator of the universe outlines his plans for us and our ability to achieve it in his word. But we're going to have to believe it. See, when God says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then you're going to have to accept that. You are the righteousness of God. Oh, but pastor, you don't know what I've all done. You don't know where I've all been. You don't know. I didn't write the word. My Bible still says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, if you're righteous, you don't have to earn your righteousness. It's not your works that gets you there. It's what God has already done. Now, his word should create more excitement in us than any other authority ever could. We trust the words of others. How much more should we trust God's word? See, if we experience such a positive reaction when we have somebody else say, hey, you got this, how much more when God says you've got this? In fact, when God says, I will be with you always to see to it. You know, the word says, if God be for us, who can be against us? And, and you know, we could quote the promises and the blessings of God forever, but most of you probably have that little loaf with the things and you pull out one of your scripture a day. We used to have them. I don't know if they still have them or not. It's called my daily bread and every day told you how great you were from the word of God. Find one of those. Go to MCC store if you have to. And read through those. It'll just tell you all of the scriptures about what you can do, what God has done, how you've been set free, how you have been delivered, how you already have the victory. But if God, somebody else's words will cause such a reaction, and God's word doesn't, do we really know or even trust our God when we hear it? Now, I see one of the reasons we often don't receive from God is because we don't believe that he means it when he says that he will, if all we have to do is believe. He's given us his word, and you know the man came to Jesus, and he says, you know, Lord, that's this and this and this, and he says, all things are possible if you can only believe. We need to learn to believe God's word. But too often we think we have to earn his favor. 
In other words, we don't believe him. <laughs> he says we are the apple of his eye. He says he has placed his blessing upon us, but we don't believe him. I have to do all of these good things or God won't bless me. No, God blessed you before you even knew him. He loved us before we even knew him. He sent his son for us before we even knew him. The blessing has already been given. You're just going to have to accept it. Now, when we aren't sure of his word, we can't rest in his word. You know, I, I don't know. Can I read this? Can I this? Does this part need to be interpreted? Nothing discourages more than when I hear Christians say, oh, yeah, well, this is no longer for today, or this has been done away with, or this is whatever. God said this word was going to do it forever. Nothing is ever going to be able to replace this word. So we pray, and then immediately start trying to figure out how we're going to get what we just prayed for. You know, I've heard people pray, oh, you know, I want you to agree with me. We want to pray for, we need some finances. And we're just really praying that God is going to give us these finances. Then you find out they left your meeting to go down to the bank and try and swangle the loan away out of them. No, I'm not saying don't have the loan, but if you're trusting God, then by all means go search God first and say, okay, God, what is you saying here? What is it that you want? But we want to do it in our own strength. We're going to make it happen. We don't understand how trustworthy God's word is at that point. Now, obviously, you're going to have to know the word if you're going to start believing it. You're going to have to spark time saying, what does this say? Now, tying in with this, of course, is another reason that a lot of Christians don't receive from God. While they believe he is able, they aren't convinced that he is willing. Oh, God can do all things if he wants to. He gave you his word. He told you what he wanted to do. Now, I know some people, you know, they say, well, we prayed and we believed and it didn't happen and this and that. I believe God's word cannot fail when we start believing it. <clears throat> but rather than looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, we start looking to our own works and our own abilities to see if we've got the power, to see if we're good enough, to see if we've done enough good things to get what we might ask for that might cause God to want to give it to us. And yet, when Paul addressed the Galatians, he said, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You began in faith and now you're trusting in your works? What's happened? That, of course, gets stopped also when we get this teaching going around the churches that says, well, God doesn't do the things he used to do anymore. That was only for the early church, and yet my Bible still keeps telling me this is going to be until we reach, reach, reach glory. Yep. Hasn't changed yet. God has not changed, in spite of what people want to tell me. The Scripture teaches us that before we receive, we have to believe that God is willing and able to grant our petition. Hebrews 11.6, but he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Corinthians 2, 1 to verse 20, all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. So all the promises of God are yes and amen. If you can find a promise in this word, the Bible tells us that God has said it is yes and amen. Now, Romans 4.21 of the Amplified says 
that Abraham was fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he had promised. He's known as the father of faith. Hebrews 10.23 tells us to hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Now Jesus did never wonder if he was going to find people that were working diligently, trying to be good when he returned to this earth. What he said is when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? Will he find people that actually believe what I said? All over the years in the ministry, I have learned that we are, and whenever we are called upon to counsel someone with some of the problems that they are facing, one of the first truths that we need to understand is that what they believe to be true will always take precedence over how things actually are. You can give them facts. You can give them scripture. You can give them whatever you want. But they will believe what they already believe, and that is going to be their default setting. See, so many times, even when we start acting, and we talked about it a little bit this morning, you know, we have the ideas that we're going to do something, we're going to work on something, we're going to live on some way, and yet the default setting, as soon as the trouble arises, instead of going to say, okay, this is what the Word of God says, we go back to saying, well, this is what we've done before. Moses lost the promised land because of that. <clears throat> See, people are always going to act and react on their true beliefs, whether they're valid or not. Someone who thinks they are worthless will always believe that. People can tell them, you've done a great job, you've done a wonderful work, this is exciting, we're happy for you, or this, and they'll walk away thinking, oh, they're just trying to make me feel good about myself. That's the default setting. You have to start working on that. Same thing, we're going to have to change that. People that think they're losers will always walk away feeling a loser. They can achieve some of the greatest things. They may have changed the top success in many of their lives. And yet when you talk to them, they keep talking about, yeah, but inside I still feel like I'm just worthless. I'm nothing. And you go like, how can this be? Some of the most talented people I have ever met when you talk to them have never yet been able to accept the fact that they have that talent. When people think they're ugly, they believe they're ugly, regardless of how many people tell them they look great. Why? It's been built into their heart. It's been built into their life. And unless they're going to take the time to uproot that old seed and start planting some new seed, they're going to keep walking on the fact that, oh, I'm just ugly. People are just being nice to me. They feel sorry for me because I'm so ugly. I thank God that's not my problem because that looks like a miserable way to live. <laughs> but people will act on what they believe, not on their facts. We've regularly met people who when they were raised, you know, they were told as children that you can't do this, you're just worthless, you're, you're never going to amount to nothing. And it's amazing how those kids hold on to that until even later on in life. They hate everything about it, but they keep holding on to that opinion because somebody gave it to them or formed it in them when they were younger. Instead of valuing who God made them to be, they'll throw their gifts away, they throw their talents and their abilities out because people refuse to try new things because they feel like they're going to fail. And you go, it's not hard. You can do this. No, I can't. What did the scripture say? I can do all things 
through Christ who strengthens me. So whether we like it or not, our actions are mostly determined by what we believe to be true, regardless of facts. Well, the same thing holds true in the spiritual or supernatural realm. When we believe God, we are willing to take Him at His word. But if we don't believe that His word is true, we're going to have a very hard time basing any part of our life on the word of God. If we aren't sure about Him, we don't dare rely on Him. Just because he said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we're not sure about that, so we end up trying everything else and trying to build our own kingdom. The saddest moment that I ever had when it hit me, I was invited to the bedside of a person that was dying. Those have got to be one of the worst visits. Somebody I hadn't talked to for, I don't know, 30, 40 years. So we sat down, we, he was laying in bed, he was in palliative care, and I asked him, I said, so are you ready to go? What standard question is that? And he goes, yeah, he says, I've given up my apartment, I have my will made up, everything is in order, I'm ready. And I said, so are you ready to meet Jesus? And he started crying. Tears flowed down his face. And he says, I sure hope so. I said, you can know. I gave him God's plan of salvation from God's word. I laid hands on him. We prayed for him. He accepted the Lord. I asked him, I said, so I just really feel right now that God wants to show you his power. I said, what would you like? He looks at me. I said, what would you want that God should do for you? He was in Brandon in the hospital, and he wanted to move to one of the small villages about an hour out or half hour out. He'd like to go back there once. <laughs> so we prayed for him. My mother also knew this young man, and next time we were at my mother's house, she says, oh, she says, if you're going to go see him, he's not in Brandon anymore. He's been moved. Guess where he was moved? Same village he wanted to go to. She also told me when she had stopped in to see him after I had been there was the first time she'd ever walked in where he was sleeping. He had peace. The turmoil was gone. The peace was there. But what was the scary part was how many people are dying without the assurance that they're going to be able to meet Jesus? How many people are being asked the standard question, are you ready? Of course I'm ready. Gave up my apartment. Are you ready to meet Jesus, though? And that's really what it's going to come down to. Are we ready to meet Jesus? <clears throat> so when we believe God, we're willing to take him at his word. Otherwise, we just can't even rely on him. Now, every time Jesus' words were believed and acted upon in the Bible, the results were miraculous. After some time, the disciples learned to believe and act on his word, even in the face of contradictory circumstances. Look at what Luke chapter 5 reveals to us when you read through it. Peter and his partners had been fishing all night and caught nothing. When they came back to shore, they began to wash their nets and get them ready for the next day. And Jesus came along and he asked Peter if he could use his boat. He got in and he taught the large crowd that had been following him that was gathered on the shore. And when he had finished teaching, he said to Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. And it's in Luke chapter 5, verse 4. 
Now, Peter was an experienced fisherman. Here is this wandering rabbi telling him to go fish during the heat of the day instead of during the cool of the night. Peter knew better. You don't catch fish in the daytime, rarely. The best time is early morning when it's raining. They had worked all night. There was nothing in that lake that day. And yet Jesus said, go, fish. Okay. So he said to Jesus, you know, we fought, we, we've been fishing all night. We caught nothing. But because it's you, I'll go. Not a lot of faith there. In fact, I've heard that the only reason the nets kept breaking that day was because they were the old nets that had already been discarded. He had cleaned the new ones. He didn't want to use them again. I don't know if that's true or not. But it would make sense. So they head out into the boat and they put their net down on the side that Jesus said. And as we've heard the story, we know that the net started breaking. The fish could not be contained. They started hauling them into the boats until the boat started sinking. They started calling for their friends and said, Come help us! This is because Jesus knew where the fish were. And he sent them to where the fish were, and they caught fish. So we know the ending. Peter and the others obeyed the specific instructions. They caught so many fish, the nets break, their boats began to sink. They had a call for help. But Jesus told these men exactly where to fish. And when they followed his destructions, God's miracle-working power provided more than enough. The biblical principle is that as we obey God's word, we too get to experience the abundant provision in our lives. Think of the great resources that would be available to reveal God's kingdom into this world, set people free, get them saved, healed, and delivered by God's glory. If the Christians would begin to operate on God's word. If the Christians would believe his word and say, okay, then let's do it God's way. See, I pray that the church grows into the place where when there is something that we see in God's word, or if that word begins to speak to our hearts, that we respond immediately by saying, Lord, at thy word, I will obey. Like Peter did. That we develop the position of power with God's word as our weapons and as our refuge. That his word will never fail us. Let's be those radical ones that have learned how to trust God and bring change to this world. Father, I want to thank you this morning just for the opportunity to bring this word. I ask, Father, that you cause this word to settle into our hearts. Cause us to act on it, to operate in it, to experience the abundance that you have provided for us. I thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.